in need of some really cool clothing and streetwear? Well, I have the perfect place for you. Hyped Experience and No Man's Land Vintage is the perfect source for all your vintage, pop culture, and streetwear needs. Follow No Man's Land Vintage and Hyped Experience on Instagram. This is all for people who live in the upstate of South Carolina, and trust me, guys, I go here all the time, and it is incredible. They have such a variety of different kicks shirts, jerseys, everything that you want pop culture. They have old school stuff. And like I said, guys, I told my buddy Ethan, who actually runs one of these Instagram pages, guys, when you wear a piece of vintage, it's like wearing a piece of history. So come on down to these websites or on top of that, just follow them on Instagram. That is N-O-M-A-N-S-L-A-N-D-V-T-G, all one word. And on top of that, H-Y-P-E-D-E-X-P-E-R-I-E-N-C-E, all one word on Instagram. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, first of all, good morning from lovely Greenville, South Carolina. Today on the Combat Sports Saturday slate, we are going to be breaking down UFC 294 in Abu Dhabi. Going to be a really good card for some of the best fans when it comes to MMA, obviously in the UFC. We have some really good matchups, even though for me... I'm not going to buy this card just because I wish it was just a little bit deeper, but there are definitely some sleeper matchups in here to watch, but those are mainly on, on the prelims, but in terms of like the pay-per-view, the main card, there's only two really big fights that I think everyone's going to be paying attention to, and I think everyone can attest to that, but uh, let's go ahead and get straight into it now. So, we have a debuting Shara Magomedov versus Bruno Silva. Now, for Magomedov, I mean, he's making his UFC debut, like I said. Um, and this man is a one-eyed warrior. Uh, he doesn't have an eye, or he does have an eye, except like he just can't really see out of it. Um, and with excellent striking, like his his striking, like just watching some of his his fights and watching some of his like his highlights with his striking, man, like he, he has everything from like wheel kicks to flying knees. And on top of that, he has a ninety-two percent KO rate. And you know he'll throw roundhouse kicks to the to to great jabs and. He's a he's pretty much like a sniper. He's kind of he's kind of like Sean O'Malley in a way when it comes to the when it comes to the striking style because he's just he has that length and reach and you know he'll he'll do spinning back uh, back fist he'll do uh, side kicks to the body or maybe even a side kick to the head and like the way that he looks so effortless when he wants to throw those types of kicks. I mean, it's really fun to watch, and I think that this fight right here against Bruno Silva might be a little bit of an interesting one because Bruno Silva, man, I mean. He's definitely the first time I saw him. I remember when he knocked out Jordan Wright, and that was that was an insane, uh, that was an insane fight right there. And then I remember when he fought against uh, Pereira, um, you know Alex Pereira. And the thing is for him, man, like he's it's kind of one of those things where you're either on a good run of form, and then and then you fall back a little bit, but then you but then you get back on your bike, and you know you get back in the win column. So, uh, you know, he's obviously burst onto the scene like in the UFC so far. He's had three KO wins, had two losses in a row, a bounce back win, and then a loss to Brendan Allen in his last fight. But you know, Bruno has such brutal hand power and the thing is like he had, like with his high guard he's gotten into he's gotten into like slugfest before and like i said when he fought against jordan Wright, once he lands he can devastate somebody he can knock someone out for sure and i think with this one this is definitely going to be a very interesting stand-up battle i really hope that this one stays on the feet considering how how well that these guys can can finish guys like these guys can finish can finish anyone they they get uh 
they get handed, you know. So this one right here, I mean, I just think that his straight punch, the straight punches for Silva, um, you know, he also clipped, like the straight punch that he has, and when he fought against Brendan Allen, he actually clipped him multiple times. But, you know, when he got hit, uh, by Brendan Allen that like had the the finishing sequence of the fight it looked like the shot kind of caught just just a little bit behind the head just a little bit not too much but um, you know he was able to catch him and eventually like he had him on the ground and he just finished Bruno with the choke so this one right here really excited to see uh, as I said the the, the stand up between the two because the stand up is going to be really really interesting to watch um, in terms of like the different types of styles because I think like for Silva sometimes like like I said he has like that high guard and, you know, he might be a little bit stiff, like he might be flat-footed. But once he finds his rhythm, he can come out really aggressive, just letting you know. Um, and, and you know, obviously for for Shara, man, like like I said, I think he's really going to try to play this fight at range. But both of these guys are pretty rangy. Uh, you know, both of them are pretty rangy. So um, it's definitely going to be an interesting fight for sure. Um, the next one we have is Victoria Dudakova versus Jin Yu Frey. So... So for Frey, right now she's one and three in her last four, and she's gonna be looking to to finish Dudakova. And she has a very high guard tendency to switch stances. She can overpower with wrestling, uh, with a long like she she has great wrestling, and then also like she's been practicing a little bit more with her striking. Her striking's getting a lot better. I mean, she'll throw nice elbows from the top when her opponent's on the on the on her back on the ground. Um and, and on top of that, too, she definitely has a little bit of submission ability that people will overlook. But, you know, her her steady boxing guard with those straight punches, they could definitely tag opponents. And for Dudakova, the thing is, we haven't really seen much about her because in her last fight, um, when she fought up against Estela Nunez, I mean, there was a really freak accident where uh, Estela's elbow went, went like, one way, like, one too far when it came to, like, she tried to land, she put her she put her uh, hand down and her, and her elbow completely dislocated and it snapped. Um... But, you know, from what I've gathered so far, you know, she, she has a great sense of movement. Uh, her entrances are really good. And on top of that, too, like, she definitely has that good grappling ability, too. Um, it'll be interesting to see if if one of them goes uh, – if, obviously, one of them goes on, on, on the ground. And I really want to see how the ground game matches up for, for both ladies. And the next one we have is Nathaniel Wood. And man, I mean, for him, and also uh, Muhammad Namov. And <laughs> I remember kind of watching a little bit about Wood. Like uh, I was like watching him, um, and I was just like, you know, I've heard a lot about him. I was like, eh, I don't really see too much. But then I remember just watching a few of his uh, a few of his other performances. Man, like he like his style is so freaking fun to watch. Actually, like I <laughs> should have never doubted the guy. Um, and right now, even though he's on a three fight decision uh, decision streak, I mean, last time when he fought against Andre Philly, I mean. Dude, he landed more than sixty percent of his strikes and was able to take down Philly to get to the to get the edge in the striking battle. Um, you know he has a high guard; he can mix up kicks to the body and maybe even a leg kick. And the thing is, man, when he gets into when he gets his, like into that boxing rhythm, he can really punish guys. Um, and it was funny because he got dropped against Philly, and then Philly was trying to was trying to go like, "Haha, I got you, aha!" And then and then Nathaniel just clipped him and then hurt him. So the thing is for him, even though even though he's flat footed, he comes very quickly. Well, not not quickly. He he moves he moves in steadily with that forward pressure, just constantly walking walking in front. And you know his jab is really quick. And I think that if if he can move forward in the division, he has to go through Neymar because Neymar, man, I mean, what he just did in his last fight, oh my goodness, when he fought against Jamie Malarkey, Malarkey was having his way with him. Uh, but then eventually, you know, Neymar was starting to find his own rhythm. He was punishing with the leg kicks, he, even though, like I said, he was getting taken down a little bit by Malarkey, who's looking a whole lot better, by the way. Um, 
you know, he he eventually was was stopping some of those takedowns. And then his striking is very calculated as well. And I think that this is going to be a really fun matchup um, when, and in terms of the, the striking battle for both of these guys. And, you know, like I said, he was on the leg kicks and eventually found a home with a devastating shot. Just a, a mean, mean hook and then just dropped him. And then after that, just finished him in. Um Great performance from Namov in the last one, but uh, I'm really that'll be that'll be one for sure. That'll be one for the books. Um, now the next one we have is Mike Breeden versus Anshul Jubilee. Now for for Breeden, I mean obviously in his last fight, I mean when he fought up against Terence McKenney, I mean for for McKenney, what we've gathered from him so far, he's really good at moving forward. As soon as the bell, as, like, well, not not the bell, but as soon as as soon as the ref says fight, like he's always on you. Like he's he's gonna he's gonna tear your head off. He's gonna try to make a, a highlight real finish, and that's basically what he did. So Breeden, like, he was on the back foot. He he tried to like it was just he has to counter any type of forward pressure because he was just constantly on the back foot in that fight. And I get that because Terrence is very explosive. Um, but you know, for someone like uh, Jubilee, because Jubilee, when he won his road to the UFC lightweight, uh, uh, the road to the UFC, the lightweight finale, um, you know, he showcased like really good wrestling. And then on top of that too, like on, on the feet, he has a little bit of a wide stance with the flat footed style, but you know, his striking with his great punches are, are like, I mean, he was constantly cracking, cracking his opponent. And then after that, man, like Jubilee, I mean, he just has the technique to put Mike Breeden out, I think, anywhere. And and I think because like even though he's not throwing a million a minute, he comes forward with such like steady footwork. Like he's just he's just gonna stand in front of you. But he's not gonna try to like get a response out of you. He's gonna try to set things up uh calculatedly. Um and eventually get a finish. So that's going to be one to watch out for. Now the next one we have is Abu Azatar versus Cedric's Duma, uh, or Dumas, Cedric's Dumas. So for Azatar, I mean, he hasn't fought in two years, and he's going to be looking to reinvent himself after being finished uh, in the in the later parts of the fight against Mark Andre Barrio. Um, and his striking was on point. I mean, he landed over 50% of his strikes, but he's definitely going to have to maneuver his way in and out of the reach of Duma because if he can be able to to uh he has to be very careful of how good Duma is defending the, defending the takedown and if he does wrestle against Duma I think Duma's frame is just too big for him um because like you know he has long legs long uh long arms and um eventually I think that Duma might be able to keep this fight at range and for Duma right now he's currently one on one in the UFC after winning against uh, Cody Brundage in his last matchup I mean he landed over 80% of his strikes um, and was able to have really good success in defending some of the takedowns against him. And even when he, even when he got taken down, he eventually got to a better position and was able to control the control the uh, control the action. So, um, you know, he he also demonstrated really good shots from like the full guard. And like even like I said, like when he was in full guard and and Brandon was on his back, like he was just landing really good shots. And for Dumas, man, like he he's landed great ground and pound to, to overwhelm Brundage in that fight. Um, and even though he's flat footed and he, and he has like a pretty loose style on the feet, he's like, he's very calculated. He'll, he'll try to put out like little hand feints and everything like that. Um, and for him, man, like if he keeps this fight on the feet and if he can stop the wrestling, I mean, personally, I think that's what's going to happen, but we're really gonna have to see what Azatar brings because this is his first fight in two years. Now, the next one we have is Javid Basharat versus Victor Henry. Now for Basharat, I mean, he's had a great success on the feet. Uh, with landing over 70% of his strikes and landed more than 60% of his takedowns. Uh, 
like in his last matchup, he has a he has a touch and detonate style with his striking. Like he's able to set up things so well. Um, and he has like speedy spinning kicks, great straight punches, and he likes to to establish his reach on opponents and, and he's undefeated for a reason. Um and I definitely think that for for this fight versus uh, Henry, I mean Henry has great striking and beautiful straight punches with the clinch. Uh, you know, he'll he'll land uh he'll land great strikes with the knees in the clinch, but even though he he got taken down a lot in his last fight, he was able to have a good sense of submission offense. And if I think I think for Henry, like if he can impose this fight like on the feet, if he can impose if he can impose action on the feet, and he probably gets it to the clinch, he might be able to to punish Javid, and we might be able to see the first uh, <laughs> we might be able to see the first defeat in his in his career. But I don't know if that's exactly going to happen. But we're definitely going to have to take a look now. So we have Muhammad Yah. Uh, Yahaya versus Trevor Peak. Now for Yahaya, I mean he has a great deal of strength at 155. Man, he's very very strong, very patient style. Comes comes with a little bit of forward pressure. Uh, uses great striking with footwork to set into shots and to set up other combinations. He has a great. Uh, he has a little bit of a lower guard, um, but like when he when he's going backwards, he blitzes. And I think if he can gas out Peak, I think that he's probably going to be able to win this fight. And for Peak, Peak is a slugger. I mean from what we've seen. Um, like when he gets, when he gets into, you know, the fight late and like when he, when he won against Eric Gonzalez, I mean, he was just throwing like really big shots, throwing hammer fists on the feet, like just to finish out the fight. Um, and he did, he got it, but you know, he was being shut down in the feet, uh, well on the feet. And also he was out grappled at his last matchup and that's what caused him to lose. So I think, I think for him though, if, you know, you really have to, Pay into consideration how well you can take a look at some of the best fighters in the world. They can really show you how they, how their elite level of training can show how well that they can dictate like how much volume to put out. And there's just people, or there's or there's fighters right now like who can just who can have that kind of output um, throughout five rounds. And uh, you know we've seen it with like Colby Covington. We've seen it with like Marab. Um, and and like you know cardio Kane Velasquez as people call them but um you know it's really fun to watch and I think that this matchup coming up is gonna be a fun one too because uh, Tim Elliott versus Muhammad Makayev that's gonna be interesting so Makayev even though he's going up against a little bit of an older Tim Elliott man I mean this man right here is I mean he has a fan friendly style he has great striking high guard with a great sense of striking and his uh, great kicking ability but you know that grappling is what makes him so scary to watch and I think that you know maybe maybe with the win over Elliot I think he should probably get a, a ranking like he well not like a not like a ranking after beating Tim Elliot but I'm saying like I think if he wins this fight he should definitely get a ranked opponent next um you know he has great entrances on the feet showcases like really suffocating grappling on the ground um and dude I mean the last time we saw him I can't believe that he was able to survive a devastating knee bar like like if you don't know what that is it's basically it takes your knee so you're on the ground and like they like so your opponent will wrap their legs around you and they'll also have it have a uh, have a hold of your leg and they're going to push instead of instead of bending your your knee they're going to try to straighten out that knee and basically just crank it upwards <laughs> and the fact that he was able to do that man i mean it was absolutely scary and um for him when he fought uh, Filio, I mean that was that was the fight. He was able to submit him in the dying seconds, and then and then a lot of people were saying that well it was stupid. You really shouldn't have done that. You probably gambled your career. I mean, in my opinion, kind of I agree because if your knee is going the wrong way instead of bending down, and, but this time it's bending up, 
I don't want you to look like an action figure. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think you should have tapped in that in that situation. But I understand there's definitely different mentalities when it comes to that. Like, you don't want to lose stuff like that. But still, dude, like that could just cause long term damage. Not even just for fighting, just just in general. Um, and then obviously for for Tim Elliott, man. I mean, he's a veteran of the UFC. Been here for for years. I mean, he won the Tough 16 finale. Um, you know, even though he fought against, uh, even though he fought like really well in his last matchup, the one thing that, I mean, he, he struggled with Alto Murano. Um, but the thing is like his jujitsu is so underrated. And then on top of that too, like for him to hang with the striker, I think that's, what's going to make this matchup really fun. But personally, I could really see that this fight being defined on who's better with the grappling. And I think that Makayev is probably just going to be able to win. Um, but we'll definitely have to see how, how, uh, Elliot can counter with his jujitsu, maybe sink into a, a sneaky choke. Um, but now the next one we have is Saeed Nurmagomedov versus Muin Gafarov. So for Saeed, I mean, even though he suffered a loss to Jonathan Martinez, uh, I think he's definitely going to be looking to, to show that great striking, man. I mean, his striking is really fun to watch. I mean, you know, he has, he has leg kicks to spinning back kicks to the body. He's such a threat on the feet and you know, when he when he showcased that grappling ability, like he showcases great transitions. Like just when he fought against uh Cody Stamen, um, you know, he submitted him just like that. And, you know, his setups are so technical and it just and it looks like it looks like he just has the vision to pinpoint where he wants to land strikes and then eventually like he'll just go and finish. Um but for Gafarov, I mean Mur uh Muin, uh, he lost the decision his last time out, and he was outstruck and outwrestled as Muin just threw and only landed 45.6% on the feet. That grappling has it. I mean, he has he has a sambo he has a sambo style, um, and and I think that this one right here is going to be a very interesting matchup if it does go on the ground, which I have a feeling it probably will. Um, but you know, his striking will definitely have to be on point. And on top of that, not even his striking, his his you know his defense on the feet. His defense on the feet is definitely going to be the most telling factor of this entire fight. Um, uh, like, well, when it comes to when it comes to Muin, because if he can if he can maybe if he can maybe use his sambo to take down Saeed, I'm just I just really want to see how well either guy does when it comes to the grappling. And then uh, for the next one we have is Ikram Aliskarov versus Warley Alves. Now for Alves, I mean, he's a very talented submission specialist. And, uh, you know, he was a guy that he was one of the guys that defeated Colby Covington earlier on in his career before, you know, Colby was going to get cut. Um, and, you know, he had finishes over Sergio Marais. That's an old name. Manur, uh, Munir Lezes. And also um, he most recently lost against Nicholas Albi. But, you know, even though he was outstruck on the feet and landed 49% compared to Dalby's 56%, you know, he's fought, he's fought pretty well, especially like, especially like I said, when he fought against Lazes, like when he came into that fight, he was constant pressure, uh, you know, worked the clinch really well, landed great clinch strikes, and then was able to land a takedown with a sidestep takedown. And for him, you know, that forward pressure is definitely going to be needed for someone like Aliskarov. But, man, Aliskarov, man, I mean, he's good. He's good on the feet as well. I mean, just look at what he did to Phil Hawes, man. That one-two literally froze him. That one-two froze him in dime. And when he sets things up, he's very patient, and that's what makes him really fun to watch. Um, but we're definitely going to have to see how that one how that one kind of kind of edges out. Now, the one that is going to be very interesting, uh, besides, besides obviously, the, the – uh, the like out of the final three, this matchup is going to be very interesting. Not just because, not just because of like, it's not necessarily because of who's fighting. It's just like what's next for the winner of this fight at light heavyweight. Uh, because it's Magomed Ankalaya versus Johnny Walker. Now, 
Uncle Live, man. I mean, he in his last fight, man. Like I really thought, like in a way, like I I wanted Yon to win, but then like looking back on it, I, I mean, I think Magomed won that fight for sure. Um, and you know he he dominated. Like he he dominated like the last few rounds like of the of the fight. But the one thing that Uncle struggled with was those leg kicks. Those leg kicks and especially the calf kick by Yawn and like, you know, he was able to just take he was basically sweeping he was sweeping the leg like Cobra Kai and like, you know, he just really made him pay. Um and I think that whoever wins, and I think a lot of people would agree, uh, because this division this division right here, man, is just it sucks to see because like you know, Jamal just won the belt, but then he got injured, unfortunately. And we saw Yuri had the belt, then he got injured. Then, you know, Glover, like Glover and Yuri had a war. So, you know, I just think that whoever wins this one, they definitely deserve to uh, to fight for the belt. Um, whoever wins uh, Yuri, versus, uh, Yuri versus Pereira, for sure. Um, I think this, this is definitely a number one contender fight. And for Uncle Live, man, I mean, he has, his entrances on the takedowns, and on top of that, like his heavy hands, like... When he fought up against uh, uh, Tiago Santos, like the way that he was able to use that pure grappling like physicality, he was just able to to just wear out Tiago and, and just made him look just made him look you know gassed you know and it was it was I mean but like for Tiago man like ever since the John Jones fight like he hasn't really been the same um, and and for him for him to go up against someone like Anthony Smith. Uh, you know, when he beat Anthony Smith, that was a big win. And like for Jan Blachowicz, that Jan Blachowicz fight was, it was interesting in the, in the first like little bits of the fight, but then Magomed really started to take over. And, you know, I think, I think for this one though, like Magomed is going to have an interesting, I wonder, like, I really am interested to see how he's going to be able to set up a takedown against someone like Johnny Walker, because like how big he is, but you know, we've seen that happen before. Um, and, you know, like, his footwork is really good. And, like, he has a pretty high guard, but, you know, he'll throw kicks to the legs and, like, push kicks to the body. And then he'll try to he'll try to enter and just grapple and out-grapple and out grapple you. Um, but, you know, for Johnny Walker, man, I mean, you know, since losing to to uh, Jamal Hill, um, you know, he's been on a – he's been on a pretty good – he's been on a pretty good streak. Three wins in a row, two finishes and a decision. Uh, you know, when he fought against Anthony Smith last time, I mean, dude, this is – this is my – might be the X factor because – <laughs> if Johnny does the same thing, like, to what he did against Anthony Smith, well, I'm not saying, like, the exact same thing where, you know, Anthony was yelling uh, at Johnny, but, you know, his, those leg kicks, man, those leg kicks were so scary to watch because, you know, for Uncle Live, man, he was just getting chopped alive. And then on top of that, with, with Johnny, when Johnny fought Anthony Smith, I mean, dude, it was just leg kick after leg kick and then just, you know, cruise to a decision. Um, so I think with this one, just if he can win, I mean, this will be like his biggest or, or like his highest ranking, like to date for sure. And you know, there's there was so much talk about him, like when he first debuted, he was just like, oh, well, he's next up, he's next up, and he's next up. And a lot of people were just saying, oh, he's like one of the most overrated. But I think he's really been putting a lot more time in, in the work, and he's really and he's really shown it, man. Um, and the power that he has is so impressive, especially when he fought up against uh, uh, you know, Paul Craig. When he was able to to land constantly over like I mean the hammer fist and just constantly hurt him like just from an awkward angle, um, and then on top of that too when he fought up against Eon Kutalaba I mean even though he was he was on the ground for a little bit when he got back up he showcased his own grappling ability took the back was able to put him on the ground with a suplex and then was when uh, was constantly able to attack the rear naked choke and eventually he got it. 
Um, you know, and I just think that for that, it might just be a pure physicality contest. But, I mean, we're really going to have to see how Magomed approaches the takedown. And and if that's the case, if, if Johnny can keep this fight standing and, and do exactly what he did uh, against Anthony Smith and chop the legs, Magomed's in trouble for sure. Um, and now we have the co-main event of the evening. So we have Kamaru Usman versus Hamzat Chemaev. Now... For Kamaru Usman, obviously he's coming in on this fight short notice, obviously because Paulo Costa, he actually had, uh, he had surgery, um, like a little, a little over a month away from the fight with Hamzat that was supposed to happen. But I mean, personally, like if you're going to have that kind of surgery, you shouldn't be able to fight at all. I mean, I know that, I know that he said that, well, you know, yeah, I'd be ready for it. Like I want it to happen in the near future and whatnot. But here's the thing. It would be a whole lot better if you you would have just pulled out a lot earlier in in the fight. Uh, well, like in the fight buildup, you know what I mean? Like maybe like a month or two away for sure. Um, and like even even if like he didn't even announce it, like I've like the the referees or well no not even the refs like the the officials the doctors they still would have taken a look at it and say hey you're not ready to go. Um, but you know that's besides the point. Uh, because like even even though the the uh, the co-main event and the main event got shifted, obviously, um, I still think that in a way that this is still just as good or if not better than than you know what originally was supposed to be scheduled. So for Kamaro, man, I mean, like I said, uh, you know he's moving up a weight class, former 170 pound champion. Uh, you know he ha- he's gone through such a great transformation. If you look back on like his entire career, the winner of Ultimate Fighter season 21, and like he went from just being a pretty good wrestler with great uh, ground with great ground and pound and everything like that to like being a better striker, being more confident with his hands, and like you've seen that with Colby when he fought up against Colby, you know, like the first and second time, and you know those like even though it's like the most basic punches he still makes them look awesome. And that's not even a bad thing. You know what I mean? Like, like <laughs> some, sometimes like doing the flashy stuff is cool, but for him, like he just, he just learned the basics over and over and over again. And like for him to work with guys like Henry Hooft and also on top of that, Trevor Whitman, um, it goes to show that like he, he really went through a great transformation of not just being just a wrestler to a better striker and just an overall better mixed martial artist. And, you know, from those wars with Colby, um, the statement wins over the likes of Gilbert Burns with that jab, that, that fight adjust, that like mid fight adjustment. I mean, he just constantly landed the jab, just punished Gilbert, was able to drop him with the jab, uh, and also knock out Jorge. I mean, golly, um, he's definitely had one of the most impressive resumes for sure at 170 and, you know, like with his great boxing and his greatest strength. Um, like, I mean, he shows, even though like in fights, you like a lot of people don't want to see clinch, clinch fights, obviously. That's kind of what happened with uh, with Jorge in the first fight, um, obviously because you know Jorge had to drop an insane amount of weight, um, and on top of that for for Kamaru man Kamaru really established how well, um, like he really he really established how well he could do also just like taking taking a little bit off of the clinch in the second fight because I remember when uh, when Jorge tried to do a clinch and then I remember just. Usman just picked him up and ragdolled him, man. It was absolutely, it was absolutely nuts. And like for him, you know, his wrestling and his clinch game, I mean, it really throws people off. And like he he scrambles really well uh, to cause problems. But in his last fight with uh, with Leon, you know, he threw more kicks to the legs, looked uh, looked for takedowns. I mean, and his wrestling is really good too. Like he'll just have like simple takedowns and like they'll work. Um, you know, he constantly has forward pressure, used the jab, scrambled really well. Um, 
But what really what really makes this matchup so much so much more fun than than the original matchup is just the fact that both of these guys they're going to bring that forward pressure, and on top of that, they're going to be looking to finish each other. And I know that Costa, like obviously, like he he's very powerful too at one eighty five. But the thing is, man, like for him. I just personally, I just don't even know why he's ranked in the top ten right now. And and like I know, I know, like here's the thing: middleweight is such a good division. It really is. Like I know, I know that a lot of people are going to say that. Um, well, you know, like you have guys like Marvin Vittori who might not be the most entertaining, or you got guys like Jared Cannonier, like who's not really that entertaining. But it's just like, dude, that's still talent, man. Like you still got to look at it that way. Like there's still guys that are going to be on the up and coming, and who knows? Maybe in the day, like who knows? Maybe in the debut with uh, with Shara, maybe Shara comes through and just blitzes everybody. I mean, I'm just saying, like the division, the division definitely needs to be active. And then one thing that I will say about this matchup, quick, is. I don't agree with the decision that Dana made depending on who wins this matchup. Like whoever wins goes up to like goes to immediately get a title shot. Personally, I just don't think that makes sense personally because there's like I understand like a lot of people are going to say, well, you know, Drickus is injured or or you know, you missed your chance or you know, you you should have taken the fight. But dude, the only rightful contender is him. He deserves it. Like, he knocked out Robert Whitaker. Like, <laughs> it's not rocket science. It just is what it is. Um, you know, and I think, I think like, for some of the guys at 185, like, that's someone else who's at 185, Robert Whitaker. You know, and I know that I know that he, he lost to Duplessis, but still, it just goes to show that there are other guys that, like, those are other names on the board in the top five that deserve it more than these guys, personally, in my opinion. But, I mean, because they're both not ranked in, in their division. They're ranked in a division under the division that they're fighting. <laughs> they're like Hamzat's ranked like what top five? Like well, not not like not at the fifth spot, but like top five to like to like top three. Um, and obviously Usman's like the number one contender too. And the one thing that sucks, man, is like I know that I know that the welterweight division is like it's so much fun, but dude, it is one of the most frustrating divisions to watch because just there's never any movement. Like, and that's like one of the same things that's so annoying about 155 because there's so many great fights at 155. Like the other day, I just saw Bobby Green and Dan Hooker's gonna fight. Thank God. <laughs> you know, like there needs to be more fights like that. There needs to be more of of fights like that, like being actively announced for that weight division. Both weight divisions are pretty freaking good, man. And like, and also with Ian Gary versus Vincente Luque, that's going to be very interesting to see how that fight plays out. Um, but you see what I mean, man? Like, so anyway, back on, back on, back on track. Sorry about that. So we have Hamzat Chemaev. Obviously, I mean, he's stepping in, even though he missed weight um, at 170 when he was going to fight up against Nate Diaz about a year ago. Um, you know, he fought against Kevin Holland, man, and just really ragged all them, just showed how great his grappling is, his transitions, like how he's able to scramble, just, you know, and tumble all over the all over the octagon floor and was just able to submit him just like that. You know, he has such he has such great control with the wrestling, uh, you know, fun striking, one punch knockout power, especially when he knocked out Gerald Mearshart. I mean, good grief, man. Just knocked him down one shot, finished him. Um and then, you know, when he fought up against Gilbert Burns, man, that was one of the most interesting fights because realistically, he could have lost that fight because in the second in the second round, I mean, I thought Gilbert just punished him in the second. I mean, like he was able to he was able to hurt him multiple different times. And, you know, in the first, I mean, 
with Hamzat dropping Gilbert the way he did, which is such a simple straight shot in the in the first round, and then like for them to have a great fight to finish it out, I mean, dude, it was so fun to watch. Um, but you know, for Gilbert, man, like they the thing is with the fact that Gilbert went toe to toe with Hamzat back then. It goes to show that I think Kamaru can do the same thing now. However, I mean, like like I said, heavy hands, great ground and pound, grappling grappling pressure that that'll just that'll just suffocate you and drown you. Um, you know his jab, his straight punches. You know, like he mixes it up with his striking. I mean, he has great kicking. He has great kicking pressure. You know, with the with the um, with the teeps to the body, and on top of that, like his punches with his hooks, man. I mean, like they they might not be. Some of the like, I mean, even though he's he's really good with the grappling, man. Like he's 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 still pretty good on the feet as well. Um, and I think if Usman just brings that type of forward that forward pressure and and can just make those adjustments with the jab, I mean, who knows? Maybe he could put Holmes out of way. I mean, I really don't know. Um, but obviously, we have the main event, one of the biggest rematches in MMA of the year, is going on obviously today. And man, it's going to be a very interesting, even though. Even though in terms of like the circumstances, man, like we have some very interesting uh, takes on this matchup uh, from from a lot of people from from even uh, one of the fighters themselves. So it's Islam Makashev versus Alexander Volkanovsky too. Now for for Volkanovsky, I'll get into it right quick. For him, I mean, for him to do this on like a little under fourteen days and to cut that amount of weight, like twenty plus. In that amount of time, like I mean, it really goes to show that this man is a savage man, and like he's he's willing to step in on short notice, and he really wants to get this fight back. Um, and the one thing that was really puzzling to me, and like this is this is just like one of my biggest criticisms with Islam, right? Is one of the things he said. He said that you're only doing this for money, and like Volk openly said in an interview, like he wants to feed his family, like he wants to, he wants to stay busy, yada yada yada. But and then and then also on top of that too, like. You know, Volk, like, and then Islam was like, oh, well, yeah, you're welcome, yada, yada, yada. I'm like, dude, what do you mean you're welcome? Like, dude, if Volk, like, and then Volkanovsky really said that, <laughs> Volkanovsky really said also, he's like, he's like, well, if the roles were reversed, he wouldn't take the fight on short notice. Like, and I'm just like, yeah, it's true. I Like, I could really see the same thing too. And for Islam as well. When he said that, he said, just say thank you for the opportunity to, to fight for the belt again. I mean, I mean, like, dude, like, realistically, look at, like, the track record that he's gotten to to be champion. I mean, like, I know that he, he had a win over Dan Hooker. I mean, he beat Drew Dober, uh, you know, and, and then eventually went on to beat Charles. But it's like, dude. Your first, your first title defense was against Volkanovski, and then you're just gonna go like, oh, well, I'm gonna go up and I'm gonna go up to 170, dude. That does not make any sense it really doesn't because it's like you might be the champ but you're not calling shots because in your last fight and this is and this is my personal opinion when he fought volk volk dropped him and then after that he looked just gassed out tired you know like and he's trying to say that oh well like i mean he, he really imposes game plan i mean fair fair play to him i mean he fought and he won but at the same time it's like it's not like he he you know 50 45 him and knocked him down every round and and constantly and constantly just dragged him out the entire time like all 25 minutes put him on the ground or just dropped him multiple different times you know and that's that's one of the things about Islam is like bro Islam you also need to defend your belt against an actual 155er and i know that this was not his fault when when Charles 
you know, accidentally got that bump to the head and, and actually caused a gash on his, on his eyebrow. I know that's not Islam's fault. But what I'm trying to say is, man, you can't keep a division like 155 like that. Like, you, you can't keep it down. And I know that Volkanovski is going up to, and like he can, bro, he can hold the, the featherweight division. He can hold it up. I mean, he's beat Max Holloway like freaking three times. And then on top of that too, he just beat Yaya Rodriguez in a, in a, in a freaking devastating shutout. And my, like, I mean, I was expecting that fight to be a more stand-up war, but just Volk had his way with him, man. And, you know, just personally, I just think that he hasn't cleared out the division yet. Like, Islam hasn't fought the Poiriers, the, the Gaethje's. He hasn't fought, you know, I know that he fought, I know that, okay, I know that he fought Charles, you know, but there's other names besides Charles and there's other guys that could fight, you know? And I know that Chandler's probably going to say that he's going to fight against Conor McGregor, which I really don't get. I don't get it at all. But, dude, <laughs> there's so many other guys that deserve that title shot instead of him just going, yeah, I'm going up to 170, bye. Like, you don't deserve it yet. <laughs> you don't deserve it. At least win, like, at least defend your belt, like, three times and then move up. Because, like, realistically, if you can beat, if you can beat, like, like, three out of the five, of the top five in lightweight, then you should call your shot. Point blank period. And if you do it by dominating, maybe you'll, in, like, a dominating fashion, maybe you'll do it earlier. I don't care. I'm just saying just don't keep 155 so stocked up because it's just, like, 170. The biggest problem is there's so much inactivity in the top five because everyone's booked. And I, or, like... Or I know that people, like, I know that fighters need their off time, too. But it's just, like, 155 is such a great division. Because, like, once these guys are done, you know, like, once once Poirier is is probably done vacationing, I mean, he's flirted with going up to 170 multiple times. But, you know, he's also said that, like, well, I kind of want to, I kind of want another crack of the belt. And, you know, for Gaethje, Gaethje's going to wait because he doesn't, because he already earned the right. He earned the right to fight for it. And then on top of that, too, like, everyone's saying that the winner of this should fight Charles. And I get that. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out, but let's get into the breakdown, actually. So, you know, one thing that we saw from Islam in, in the last fight with Alex is that, you know, had success on the feet. Um, like, Islam, Islam had some pretty good success on the feet with Alex, but I think Alex was just constantly able to finish off combinations, like leg kicks, and on top of that, just making, making Islam go backwards. Um... And, you know, like, his high guard and his striking and, like, even, like, with a little bit of his, like, forward pressure. And, like, for him, he went from, like, whenever he cracked Volk, he was he would immediately go forward as soon as he did. And as soon as he, like, hurt him. And when he hurt him on the feet, like, I mean, he also had really good grappling success, was able to take him down. But here's the thing. Volk was able to get back up a few times. And when you saw later on in the fight, it seemed that Volk got stronger later on in the fight. And I think that when he did that... Volkanovski was able to like rally and then he dropped him in the fifth. He technically dropped him in the fifth. Um, and you know, a lot of people will, will say that Makachev is probably going to be able to take him down and do the same thing. And like, I'm, I mean, I don't really know. I don't really know like which side because like there's always going to be that, that, well, it's probably going to happen again, the short notice, everything like that. But who knows? I think that Makachev just really needs to, like, I think that for him, he's definitely going to try to, have Volk constantly on the back foot. And I think that's exactly what he's going to try to do. But I think he's probably going to say like follow the same game plan with Volkanovski probably. Um, Volkanovski probably like in the early rounds, he's probably going to be on the back foot, then counter, or maybe he might just switch it up, go forward and just constantly threat the takedown. Um, and with Islam constantly going backwards with Volk last time, that's just something tells me that Islam is not going to be going on the back foot. I mean, I just really don't think he will. Um, and he definitely has the accuracy and forward pressure. I mean, you know, he's fought like in Makachev, like 
even though he's known for his grappling, he still has pretty good striking. Um, but with the accuracy, man, I mean, he he might have moved. He like he also moved really well forward with the pressure when he brought like when he brought it in round two in the early stages of the fight, and then you know in the fourth and fifth he might have done well being on the ground. But like I said, Volk just rallied a little bit, and like he seemed to thrive in that. And then eventually he got he got caught. Um, and then for Volkanovski, man, I mean, he's taking this fight with a little a little under two weeks notice, and you know a lot of weight to cut, obviously, but. You know, he has lightning quick speed with the striking on the feet. He has a quick jab, great leg kicks, and a set of wrestling that can put anyone in trouble at 145. Um, and even though he got taken down, I mean, he was able to get back up multiple different times. And, like, when he fought up against Yair Rodriguez, I mean, he dominated him. Landing takedowns, showcasing his speed and his talent to eventually finish him. Uh, you know, Volk definitely has a great has great speed. I mean, he, he kind of has like the same CKB style with the, with a little bit of a wide stance, throws great leg kicks can really faint really well up top of the head. Um, and you know, his jab and like for him, like he's able to finish with the leg kicks and you know, he might have, he might, he might lose a little bit later on with the gas tank. But I think therefore, if, if Vulcan kind of have the same kind of output, like a steady output, instead of just like trying to empty the tank like he did, because like the way he was entering against Islam, I mean, he cracked Islam in the first too. Um, they both cracked each other. But for for Volk, if Volk really wants to win this fight, I think that he's going to have to try to tire out Islam by making him miss on the takedowns for sure. Making him miss on the takedowns and probably defending those takedowns in which he did a really good job the first time. Um... So, I mean, we're really going to have to see how this one goes. But anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Combat Sports Saturday slate, and I'll talk to you guys next time.